the Ladies of Kamikaze Roundtable. We're going to dissect 2016 and share our hopes for 2017. Today, we have all of us here. I'm Aisha. I'm Mallory. I'm Erin. I'm Elise. And I'm Sarah. One of our big accomplishments was Ladies Con, but I wasn't actually here for that. So I'm going to hand it off to the uh, seasoned ladies who were. So let's start off with Erin. Great. Thanks, Aisha. So Ladies Con was our big accomplishment for 2016. It's something we've been planning for a really long time. And the idea was to have a small local con devoted to primarily women and and those who identify as women in uh, comics and pop culture. It it wasn't as hard to do as I thought it would be, um, just because of the level of excitement once we started to put the word out there that this is a thing we wanted to do we got nothing but support and excitement from the local community and I just thought that was really awesome. This is Valerie speaking. We had the con in a space called Canopy. They're basically a shared workspace so we were able to create something that was really something that was used as an office and turn it into um, a great little opportunity where we had um, our headliners in one room and then pretty much like called the Gauntlet of Awesome. It was long and skinny (laughs) and filled with a lot of really um, amazing things. Finding a place that will let you draw on the walls is something that is not easy to do and not something we expected either, but it turned out to be great because if you were there, you know that the evening event basically turned into everybody getting to draw all over the walls. And I'm told that those drawings are still there and a massive mural being created by Ming Doyle and Erica Henderson, which was pretty amazing to watch. So this is Erin. We also had Linda Medley, and that was a really big get because Linda does a wonderful comic called Castle Waiting that she's been doing for many, many years, but she'd been out of the spotlight for a while. And so to be able to bring her to the East Coast for the first time in years was a huge accomplishment for all of us, I think. And uh, Valerie worked really closely on that with Bob from Kamikaze. So this is Valerie again. Um, in terms of talking about like sort of what we learned and what we thought was most special about this is the idea just ran by itself. And there were so many people who were willing to help us. But like there were times where I think all of us probably felt the same way that we were just sort of overwhelmed. We were hoping like eh, maybe 100 people would come. We had over 300 attendants. We've made so many friends and so many great contacts. We are planning another one, which will hopefully be even bigger and better. And um, all the lessons learned will be brought to that. You know, if anyone's listening, I hope that you had as great a time as we did. So this is Elise. Aisha, my question for you is, as an attendee, because that's kind of where we met you, I'd love to just hear about what you thought and what your perspective was and how it was for you. Yeah, thanks, Elise. Uh, So it was interesting because um, I have always known the larger cons, and it was so welcoming and warming and community building to have a small con. And just being able to be around like my actual neighbors and feel like, yes, we're all in this together and we can participate in panels and shop and talk and and socialize, uh, that really drew me to it. And also, it's about diversity and inclusion, and those are really important to me too. So um, thank you to all of you for putting in the hard work that it took to actually put that together. I was totally not fishing for that, by the way. (laughs) But we'll take it. We'll totally take that. And we're going to jump into comics for round one. So let's have you start off, Erin. The comic that I wanted to talk about for 2016 that really caught my attention was actually one that was introduced to me at LadiesCon, Agents of the Realm. 
Our first podcast was an interview with the creator of that comic, Mildred Lewis. She actually came to us to table at LadiesCon, and we were really excited to have her. She was one of the first people who signed on, in fact. And then when I saw the work that she was doing, I really wanted to have her for this event. For those who are unfamiliar, Agents of the Realm is a magical girl comic. So it does involve a cast of young women who have magical powers and transform and fight the forces of evil. But what makes it unique and exciting is that that group of young women is one college age, so adult and a little more facing issues that might be familiar to ladies of a certain age, like myself. And two, the cast is really diverse in every single way diverse in race, diverse in sexuality, and it's really exciting to see that. Additionally, the artwork is gorgeous, particularly the coloring, I think, stands out a lot. Uh, The comics started online, but the book that Mildred has put together is a wonderful package. So I was really excited to read and review that. Uh, You can go to the blog and see that review. And she is actually also local, which always excites me as well. Yeah, I'm really hoping, this is Valerie, sorry, I'm really hoping that we have her back and do other things. She's so personable, but as someone who grew up watching things like Sailor Moon and Magic Knights Ray Earth, seeing a comic like Agents of the Realm resonates in this way that you've never had happen before because, you know, if if you're a fan of Sailor Moon, nobody really looks like that, right? And you are excited to see a story where there are female characters saving the world and being strong and having friendships. And um, there is a lot of um, storylines about sort of the relationship between the girls. But Mildred takes this to this whole other level. It's a hard thing to do, save the world. It's an exhausting thing to do. And we're not always our best selves. And because I don't want to spend, once again, the entire podcast talking about this, because I probably could, um, if you haven't had an opportunity to check out uh, the podcast that Mildred and I did together, you should, because she's extremely well-spoken. And um, we kind of run the entire gamut from like cartoons to comics to you know all things anime and manga. So you should check it out. All right. So uh, other comics we loved. Uh, Sarah, I think you have one on the list. My choice is a graphic novel. It is Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe. The most obvious reason that I wanted to highlight this is local lady artist, um, Erica Henderson, who is a friend of ours and an extremely talented artist. She has just been doing amazing, amazing work these past few years. Absolutely, you should be reading Squirrel Girl because it is a lot of fun. There is not a lot of good all-ages superhero books out in terms of kids can enjoy them, but adults can get an equal amount of enjoyment out of them. And I think this is something that does that and superhero humor right, which can be a really tough thing to do. It's fairly easy to just say, oh, yeah, look at all this silly stuff about superheroes. Look at how ridiculous superheroes are. But this is not what this is doing. The humor comes from situation and character. But the idea of superheroes and the superhero characters themselves are never really the butt of the joke. And with a character who, like Squirrel Girl, who could be a little kind of a joke in and of itself, if not handled right, that's really important, I think, because she is she is never the butt of the joke in this. She, she is always treated seriously like a real legitimate superhero, which she is. 
And I think a big thing that it touches on that you'll notice when we get to my other pick for one of the best things of 2016 seems to be a theme with me lately, is the idea of empathy and that being kind of part of what makes Squirrel Girl unique and special, is that it really drives home that she is a character who is trying to figure out how to compromise and make other people happy rather than necessarily just punching her way through things. She will do that if there's no other option, but her first instinct is, well, why are you wrecking the city? What can we do that would be more productive than wrecking the city to make you happy? I definitely think that empathy, that is a really strong pull in any comic. And so that brings me to my comic. This is Aisha. I just fangirled it out when I read Monstrous and got to meet the author Marjorie Liu. And what I am totally digging is that we have two women of color behind the pages and on the pages. We also have a woman of color as the protagonist and just all different sorts of women all throughout the story. And just being able to see that reflected on the page for me is really, really meaningful. As a woman of color myself and, and of mixed heritage, Marjorie, the author, is mixed and the main character is also mixed. It's just something that you don't see in comics covered much. Um, so it's nice to see it highlighted and then see the book have such critical acclaim and recognition. But Valerie, I know you are a big fan. Aaron, you guys are a big fan. So are, are we all fangirling? Yes. The thing about Monstrous is that I've never read anything else like it. Like, I mean, the themes can sometimes be things that you've seen before, but like what really struck me about Montress is that it's beautiful to look at and the world that it exists in is so fully realized. It's amazing. And I think there are a lot of layers to it. There's some obvious themes, but I think as you dig deeper and deeper, they're realized a little more fully than other books that have tackled it. And so talking about war and the effects it has on people, talking about the effects of racism, really, with the Cumea versus the Arcanics, the idea of the literal consumption of the body of another is really a, is, is a big one there. And it's exciting to see something that's so thought out, I think, in how it handles those themes. Absolutely. And now I'm like, hmm, I want to reread it. I think it's definitely the kind of thing that it, it probably is more and more sort of complex the more you read it because there's so much there. And on the other hand, it's still a really good story. I think that's when you say, you know, oh, I need to reread it. You you might not even notice all of that at first because you're just wanting to know what's going to happen next and drawn into the adventure. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it's because Marjorie has put in so much work into building this story arc and knowing what she wants to communicate. And um, can I just share a story? When I, The first time I met Marjorie, I went up, she's going to sign my book, and I just broke out into tears. I was like, Marjorie, just thank you for writing this. Like, I'm also a child of immigrants, and I'm mixed in. And, and she's like, it's all right, honey, here. And she hugged me, and she's like, it's okay, honey. I cry about these things, too. So, you know, it's just a gem. So if you love stories about race, gender, feminism, or you just want a fun fantasy steampunk. Yeah, like a great action. Like, the story really moves along. There's something for everybody who likes a good story. The first volume is also a heck of a deal. It's massive. And it's priced to just pick up and get into. So I think it's a great book for somebody who's actually thinking about getting into comics because it's a good deal and, again, a really good, compelling story. And appropriate for older audiences. Not all ages. <laughs> we actually interviewed Marjorie, folks. So if you want to listen to her, um, we'll be premiering that podcast uh, in January sometime. So keep your ears peeled for that. 
We've rounded up our comics list, but let's go on to TV because we all really feel strongly about our TV shows, don't we, ladies? We do, <laughs> clearly. Let's start with Elise. So I took on a like a really big project this year, which was to watch all of Supernatural from the start. For those of you who don't know, there are 12 seasons now of that show. I'm sorry, and did you watch that all in one year, Elise? It took about nine months, so I probably could have created life <laughs> in that same amount of time. You also got someone else to do the same project, and it's I'm a year in and not done yet. So <laughs> One of the reasons that I wanted to do it was because this is a huge and incredibly passionate fandom and community and that's something that really interests me and I wanted to be able to look more at that and really kind of understand one what the draw was and to sink myself more into the fandom and it's been actually really fun it's been a huge way to meet people all you have to do is mention supernatural and people just will like flock to you when we did our panel at comic-con which we'll talk about more later i mentioned it and then like people came over to our booth to talk about it with me and that was really great often dressed up as characters from the show often dressed up as characters from the show frankly one of the more interesting things about the fandom is how much charitable work they do um one of the topics that especially the actors are passionate about and the fandom is passionate about is supporting people's mental health. I mean, they have set up their own crisis hotline that is staffed by trained fans of the show to, again, tap into this community and help people in the community. I mean, they've really built a community that is a family. And I think that's a really special and rare thing. So uh, actually, this weekend, Erin and I were at a holiday party and we crossed paths with someone who was at the Supernatural View and Shoe. So it was like we automatically had something to talk about with somebody who I didn't really know, which for me is always a plus at a party because I don't love mingling. Speaking of mingling, there is oftentimes one person that you don't want to mingle with, and that is usually your ex. So I think we're going to go on to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which uh, Valerie recommended. Is that correct? Yeah, because I think I'm the only person who actually watches that show out of the group of us. That's okay. I understand that when something is a musical, people either love it or hate it. The point is, is that so after the first season, Rachel Bloom, who's one of the show creators, won not only a Golden Globe, but also a Critics' Choice Award. And that kind of saved the show and helped them get a second season. I wouldn't say it's a super popular show. However, it's such a unique show that I keep sort of mentioning it to people because, yes, it's a musical. That is a huge um, bonus for people like me, especially if you grew up watching old Hollywood musicals. They just did this wonderful number last week that was like an 80s heart parody. It was hilarious. And it was basically about how when two women have a fight, how women can be like, no, 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 it's me. I was so wrong. But you were kind of wrong, too. And you should apologize first. If you open that door, I'll apologize so much more. But you go first. And that's actually a great example of why this show works on so many levels for me because it's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but it's not really just about obsessing over your ex. It's about the complications of being an adult, um, of being an adult who may suffer from some issues with anxiety and some mental illness. It handles it in such a realistic but also humorous way. 
if you care about the show like I do, you go and you read these articles about how when they do have the songs, they make sure that they're putting them at these specific sort of emotional beats in the show. So it's not like musical for the sake of singing. It's usually because they're pushing along some sort of point or some sort of emotion that's happening in the show. It's not like a typical easygoing romance. You know, the characters are really flawed and, you know, you watch it and you sort of hate them sometimes as much as you love them. But another sort of thing I wanted to put out there, too, is that this show does actually have a pretty decent level of diversity. I can't remember his name, so I apologize. But the gentleman who plays Josh is actually Filipino. So they cast him and then they found then they were like, oh, you're Filipino. We'll write that into your role. So there's like an amazing scene where like she's going to his family's house for a holiday and like she learns how to like cook these Filipino dishes because she wants to impress his family. Ooh, something smells weird in here. Oh, uh, well, it's a Filipino dish called dinaguan. It consists of pork cooked in pork's blood. You want to try some? Uh, thanks, but I think I'm all full up from the wonderful smell. You know what? That's just your culturally insensitive taste buds talking. And there's this whole like amazing cultural recognition that you would never really see happen that often in shows. It's done intentionally and it's really nice to see. And the characters, like I said, are lovable and he is very easy on the eyes. So, you know. (laughs) This season, particularly the second season, is less so much about the guys, but it's more about female friendships. And how complex and how difficult those can be and sort of what happens when two people who are really, really close start to sort of separate just like a little bit and like what makes them drift apart. And then, you know, what are all of the emotions that are tied up in that? You can catch up on the show on Netflix if it interests you. The whole first season is available. The CW does have a bunch of the episodes on their website. I keep telling people to watch it because if people don't, then probably won't get a third season. And I would be very sad. Um, You should definitely spend a couple hours plowing through them on Netflix. So, Valerie, you said Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has a lot of focus on female friendships. But, Sarah, you have a show that is something along the lines of Magical Girls, right? It is, in a very odd way. One of my favorite shows for the past couple of years has been Steven Universe. So it's been on for about three or four years. It's in its third season. As you might know, it is the first Cartoon Network show to be solely created by a woman. That's Rebecca Sugar, who had previously worked on... Misadventures of Flapjack and Adventure Time as a storyboard artist and developed Steven Universe while she was working on Adventure Time. And it does play with magical girl tropes sort of in a similar way to Squirrel Girl working with superhero tropes. It's not making fun of them, it's taking them in a new direction. It's looking at them in a different way. One of the things that Rebecca Sugar has used to describe the show is reverse escapism. Instead of a normal person going into a magical world to kind of escape and explore that world, it's about magical people coming to the normal Earth world that we're familiar with and wanting to escape to that. So that's one of the ways in which it kind of twists the magical girl theme. The other being it's got a male protagonist, which also provides certainly some different views on it and feeds into the fact that there's a lot of stuff in it about gender and there's a lot of LGBT representation, which is not something you see in a ton of children's shows today. And it's gotten a lot of attention for that, but I don't think it would get the attention it did 
if it wasn't also just a really great show with the characters that you can really become very, very attached to and really want to follow through their stories. It is probably one of the most personal animated shows I have seen in quite a long time in terms of this being a very personal expression of the artists who are on it, that this has a lot to do with their own lives filtered through sentient talking rocks who have humanoid projections, but it is great. I love it. You should absolutely be watching it. And um, since I mentioned it before, yes, there is more on the theme of empathy and the lead character, Stephen, being this very empathetic character and how he deals with being that when he's essentially in the middle of a war and has to maneuver with his ideals through that situation and how he can still care about others when sometimes they want to hurt him. Thank you, Sarah. Now, to round out our top TV picks for 2016, mine is the sci-fi series The Expanse. It's based on a trilogy of novels by James S.A. Corey. Humans live on Earth, on Mars, and in the asteroid belt. And all three populations don't much care for each other. So Salon describes it as Battlestar Galactica meets Game of Thrones. And I think it's pretty accurate. My husband likes to say, don't go into space, nothing good happens in space. And The Expanse pretty much captures that sentiment. You've got geopolitical conflict, inequality, violence, competition for valuable resources like air and water, and brewing war. And that's just the backdrop. Season 1's plot unravels this conspiracy around a secret bioweapon that, well, let's just say doesn't leave pretty results. All that said, The Expanse is beautiful with expert cinematography, breathtaking CGI, impressive set design, it's clearly got super high production value. And one NPR critic said it was, quote, the best and most important piece of science fiction to appear on the small screen in a decade. And I totally agree with him. You can stream season one on Amazon Prime right now, and season two will premiere in February, 2017. So most of us had a favorite TV show for 2016. Erin, I understand you took a different approach. I went with a novel instead of a TV show because I just really love books and I think it's important to talk about them. And I wanted to talk about Gwenda Bond's Lois Lane series. The first book is Fallout. The second book is Double Down. And it's a great series that I like because it focuses on this off-malign character of Lois Lane. Everyone thinks of her as Superman's girlfriend. They think of her as this idiot who doesn't realize that Clark Kent is Superman. They think of her as man-grasping, depending on which era of comics you read. She is definitely trying to get that ring in a lot of the comics. And what Gwenda Bond does with her is, one, takes her actually back to her teen years, but it's modern, so her teen years are now, and the only appearance of a certain Mr. Kent is online. They have this online relationship, um, and she doesn't know who he is yet. But what I really like about it is she's smart, she's funny, she has adventures with her friends, she cares about her friends. We've been talking a lot about empathy. I feel like there's a lot of empathy there. Lois is somebody who maybe doesn't always think about people's feelings before she does something. She is ambitious and driven and just wants to get to the bottom of her mystery. But at the end, she still cares about 
people and her friends, and particularly in that first book, Fallout, it's really about a young girl who's being bullied in the vast video game conspiracy behind that. And Lois notices her and takes her under her wing. So it's a great series. Um, Gwendolyn also writes the Girl on a Wire series about magical folks in the circus, if you're into that, and has written a few other books as well. I have also read Lois Lane Fallout per Aaron's recommendation. What I liked about the portrayal of Lois is that like sometimes when you read books where they're trying to sort of go back and reimagine a female character in a more positive light, they can sometimes make her a little bit too perfect. And what's really nice about this book is that Lois is far from perfect. She's likable and she's very much a teenager. But she makes mistakes. And although sometimes this trope annoys me a little bit is like when the female like goes running off to like go do whatever without thinking about anything and then gets herself trapped. In Lois's case, it's done more out of necessity because people sort of underestimate her abilities. This is Elise. I haven't read this book, but I appreciate your pick because I actually think that despite having an opportunity to do a really good job with Lois Lane, that the recent Batman vs. Superman movie did a very poor job with Lois Lane. So I appreciate that there's something out there that does a better job for her as a character that is available for especially young girls to read. Yeah, this is the snappy, witty, exciting Lois that you might remember from the older movies or from the Superman animated series, which was a fantastic depiction of Lois. This is her if she were a teenager in 2016. So those were our comics, TV, and novel recommendations for 2016. But before we move on to 2017, I know that Elise and Valerie wanted to highlight two more items, and those were accomplishments of our own. This is Valerie. I wanted to talk about it only because I'm so proud of us. So on our blog, we'll occasionally create recipes either based on a real food that we might see in a television show or movie or in a comic book or even just sort of themed around it in some way. We were invited to Boston Comic Con to go and present on the kind of work that we do around it. It was well attended and it was this really amazing opportunity for me to sort of take a step back and realize, ladies, we actually knew a lot about this topic and have done some really amazing work in terms of researching recipes and, you know, trying things out and and making those important decisions around, you know, are you making it because you want it to look exactly like the thing that you see on TV or are you doing it because you want to know about that kind of food historically? Are you doing it to learn about the culture? I was so happy that people were really engaged at the panel. Like, we had a ton of questions. We didn't think people would have any. And there were actually more than we could address. And that was really exciting to know that, like, we kind of tapped into something that people wanted to have a conversation about. Fans want to celebrate the things that they like in any way they can. And the fact that fandom communities have embraced food as a way to do that and, you know, it's just this new, a more immersive way to sort of experience something that characters that you really love experience. Food is the new cosplay. <laughs> I would like to talk about the Fashion Raptors. So for those who do not know, Erin and I have been talking about doing an advice column for a while, but we, like, we weren't sure if people would really want our advice. And so instead, 
we have two very fashionable velociraptors who have offered to take that on for us. So we really just act as an intermediary, siphoning questions to them, and then letting them give advice from their own unique perspective. Their scope of knowledge is so impressive. Everything from math to fashion to relationship advice, there's nothing that the raptors don't know about. If you have questions for the Fashion Raptors, please go to the Facebook page and you can just post your questions there. Address it to the Raptors. They'll find it and uh, they will be sure to answer you. All right. So those were the highlights of 2016. So on to 2017, we each have one top pick that we're really looking forward to. Sarah, why don't you give us yours? It is the live action Beauty and the Beast movie that's coming out in March, I believe. I think Emma Watson is spectacular casting for Belle. Most of the casting I am pretty good with, but her in particular, she seems really, really spot on for the character. Papa? Belle, you must leave here. This castle is alive. Who's there? Do you wish to take your father's place? Come into the light. I'm really glad that there's actually some color in the movie, especially in the costumes. Not quite as much in the backgrounds yet, but we'll see. Because when stuff gets translated from animation to live action, sometimes designers decide that everything needs to be really, really muted colors, which looks boring and uninteresting. So the color palette of the original film kind of forces them to deal with color, at least on the costumes, because you cannot have Belle in the peasant dress and not have it be blue. You cannot have the ball gown and not have it be yellow gold. It is a musical. I know that's not entirely clear from the trailers, but I think that is important and I'm interested to see how they handle that. Even if it doesn't work out entirely, I think I'm still going to have fun talking about it with people. I'm at the point with it, and with pretty much anything I see that's adapted from something that I already like, where I can say this is its own thing, it doesn't hurt the thing that I love, it's just another interpretation, and it can be good, or it can be bad, and that's fine, and either way it gives me something to talk about. Thanks so much, Sarah. Now, Valerie, I understand you also have a movie pick for what you're looking forward to in 2017, but it's something that I didn't quite expect you would choose. Come on, who really thought that I was going to pick Wonder Woman? Yeah, nobody. No. So here's the thing. I'm not the most knowledgeable about DC characters. There have been so many times where I have reached out to people saying, give me some good Wonder Woman stories. Like, tell me why I should like her. Give me a storyline where she actually has a personality that isn't going to either annoy me or just be like, I'm tough and that's all I am. The history of Wonder Woman is not something I'm super familiar with. History of Wonder Woman is fascinating. It's funny you should say that because I spent a long time yesterday researching books because I want to read a book about the history of the character. Read a book about the guy who did Wonder Woman. Is this about tying her up a lot? We'll just say that William Moulton Marston had some interesting ideas about femininity. And that's the thing, is that these kind of messages that I was receiving made me kind of be like, about Wonder Woman, which was always really disappointing to me because she's the most well-known female superhero, arguably, right? And with the arguable quality of the DC movies, I wasn't really excited about seeing Wonder Woman. And then I saw the trailer. (laughs) 
Wow, guys, guys, why did no one tell me that it was going to take place in World War II? Why did nobody tell me that she had this amazing plus-sized sidekick? What? Oh my gosh, guys, I'm super excited now, and I am going to go see it. And for once, guys, we are going to have a female superhero character who's going to bring in a ton of money into the box office and prove once and for all that a female superhero can carry a movie. Yes, I am totally excited for Wonder Woman as well. Thanks so much, Valerie. So now we have two movie picks for 2017, Beauty and the Beast and Wonder Woman, and Aaron and I will offer up two TV picks for 2017. Mine is Star Trek Discovery, premiering in May, and I honestly don't know if I can wait six months. Like, I'm already jumping out of my skin. It's been 12 years since Star Trek Enterprise went off the air, and granted, we've had a lot of movies, the reboots have been a stunning success, but having a staple Star Trek TV show is something I need in my life. I grew up on Star Trek. It has defined so much of me and my moral system and how I see the world. And I'm really excited to see what Star Trek Discovery offers up. What I'm particularly excited about is the diversity of the cast. And I'm thrilled that the future is going to be portrayed as more inclusive because yes, representation does matter. So Discovery's leading lady will be a lieutenant commander, and she'll be played by Sonequa Martin-Green, who you may know from The Walking Dead. And the captain of the ship, that will be Michelle Yao. Yep, Michelle Yao from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And we also have several Klingons already cast, Chris Obi, Shazad Latif, and Mary Chifo. Two men of color and a woman. We also have Anthony Rapp playing an openly gay science officer. So I'm just really excited about the wide spectrum of identities and the representation. And it's just something that TV needs, that sci-fi needs. And I'm really happy that this new series is portraying our world as it should be portrayed. So if anyone wants to live tweet with me during the premiere of the series, let me know. So that's Star Trek Discovery premiering in May. Now on to Erin for her pick of 2017. My TV pick is the season two of The Magicians, and so I could have talked about it for 2016, but instead I'm going to talk about why I'm so excited for it for 2017. So this is a show based on a trilogy of books that I am deeply passionate about. For one thing, it's an actual trilogy. There are only three of them, and then it ends. What an amazing experience. Um, the books are by Lev Grossman, and they're a really realistic interpretation of the chosen one trope. And so the basic concept is a young man gets into a magical university, and it doesn't solve all of his problems. <laughs> it actually causes a lot more problems. But the show, while it does diverge from the book series in slight ways, actually does a really good job of expressing everything that's in the in the books. And there are some harsh realities. There are some fun things as well. And they do a good job of using special effects, I think, sparingly, but in a way that makes the magic seem real and tangible to the viewer. They also have a fantastic lady showrunner in Sarah Gamble, who also had been a showrunner for Supernatural for a long time. So there's a little tie-in to 2016. Thanks so much, Erin. So to tie up our roundtable discussion, we have our last but not least pick for 2017. And here's Elise. We're pretty excited to do another Ladies Con. We have some new ideas. We're going to be looking at some new space. 
And one of the things that I'm so excited about, besides the opportunity to get new and returning guests and vendors, is that the community that has built around this is really great. And I'm excited to keep that going and to like work with those ladies again and get to know them more. And I should be fair. I shouldn't just say ladies. We had tons of guys who helped us too. All other sorts of folks on the gender spectrum. Everybody's welcome and everybody participates. And I am really excited to see what we can accomplish with this being our second time doing it with everything that we have learned from the first experience. And this one hopefully will be bigger and better. So get involved. Email us, ladiesofkamikaze at gmail.com. Check out our website, all of that. And we're really looking forward to a great 2017 with all y'all. For any information about the movies, comics, TV shows, events that we talked about, please go to our website, ladiesofkamikaze.com. We're on every social media platform, so find us, and we really hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you.